Giants fans, thanks for joining me today for another episode of Only a Giant. I'm recording this Friday morning, so there has been some NFL news today. Uh, Robert Sala has agreed to be the head coach of the New York Jets. Urban Meyer has essentially agreed to be the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Those are two pretty big signings. There is a third that it's not official yet, but it looks like the Atlanta Falcons are getting ready to hire Arthur Smith, who is the Titans offensive coordinator. Sounds like, you know, he canceled a trip to another NFL team uh, to interview with. I'm not positive what team that was, uh, but it sounds like he he's going to be the Atlanta Falcons head coach. Getting back to Robert Salah with the Jets, I think that's a really good hire. You know, he's got a, a, gr- a very good defensive mind. It'll be interesting to see who they hire as the offensive coordinator, although it sounds like it's going to be the brother of Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, that'll come over as their offensive coordinator. It's a good hire, and if that's who the OC is, I like it. I think for me, it probably points to the Jets keeping Sam Darnold and maybe trying to get some more weapons for him. I guess my thought of it is, you know, Salah's a very defensive-minded head coach. He's probably not going to want to, you know, establish his own offense. You know, he's going to let a guy come in. And, you know, my guess is they probably brought him in because he wanted to work with Sam Darnold or, you know, he wanted him as his quarterback. I think the Jets aren't willing or ready to move on yet. They're going to take that number two pick and either look at someone like Jamar Chase or trading out. And I think trading out's probably the more likely situation, you know, get some compensation. They'll still look to get some weapons around Darnold. You know, they could look at a left tackle, but I think after the last draft, they won't go that route. You know, they, they like who they have in Mekhi Becton. And I think they'll, they'll, try to get some tools around Sam Darnold and give him, you know, really one good ye- one more good year to see what this guy is. He's still on his, you know, rookie contract. So, he's relatively cheap. I think that's the best route, you know, continue to build around him. And if he has a horrible year next year or he's, you know, injured again, then maybe they look the next year to get a new quarterback. But this way they can kind of continue to build the team. And then, you know, if that's an issue, then they'll address the quarterback position. That's just my two cents. Who knows if I'm right. The next hire that we know of is Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. That should be interesting. You know, we don't really know what Urban Meyer is going to do in the NFL. He's never been a coach. He's never been anything in the NFL. He's always been a college coach. He's always done a good job of getting talent out of his players, you know, letting the talent shine. But it's a very different game, college football, compared to the NFL. So that'll be an interesting hire there. I think it is a good hire. I think it's going to draw fans. And that's something that the Jaguars really need to get some some fan involvement. Hopefully next year we'll have fans back in the stadium. That'll be, that'll be nice. So there are still a lot of jobs left open. You know, Detroit still needs a coach. Philly's looking for a coach. You know, they have had rumors of Joe Brady planning on interviewing there, which is the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, was the LSU, uh, I think, quarterback coach, or maybe offensive coordinator, when Burrow was there. I've heard rumors of Lincoln Riley maybe having been contacted. Maybe Deuce Staley gets a chance there. I know a couple Eagles fans who want that. That'll be, that'll be, that'll be a time-consuming hiring process I think with them I don't think they're going to jump right at the first guy May, maybe a week or two before we really know with them and you know maybe Biennemi goes there or you know there's a lot of other names that, that'll come out here Houston Texans still need a head coach the San Diego Chargers still need a head coach so there's still a lot of jobs out there I'm hoping someone takes Jason Garrett that would be nice <laughs> probably unrealistic at this point I think you know he's probably staying for at least another year unless they have a, you know, a poor offensive performance to start the year, you know, three, four games in, and then maybe, maybe judge would make a change. But at this point, he's probably staying. 
So that's my NFL news section. Not a lot going on at this time other than your playoff stuff and, you know, head coaching hires and GM hires and stuff like that. So we'll get right into the beer of choice for this episode, which if you follow me on untapped at only a giant podcast, you can get updates on this and you can join me, you know, cheers, cheers, the cheers, the beer, do a lot of fun stuff, rate the beers that I drink if you can find them and give me your opinions on them. You can also find me on Twitter at only a giant underscore 86. I try to be kind of active on there. You know, I'm not trying to break news per se, but just give, you know, opinions and takes and comment here and there. I don't, I don't want to get too much into the drama of Twitter. I, you know, I'd prefer to stay away from that. So anyway, the beer that I'm going to try today is by Grimm and it's called a Lumen IPA. I just picked this up at Wegmans. It was in the back where, you know, it's not out on the shelves. So I was pretty excited to find this because I haven't had a lot of Grimm beer, but I've heard a lot of good things. It's 6.4% alcohol by volume. And here we go. Let's open this bad boy up. All right. So this does have a 4.18 average rating on untapped. So once again, you know, I want to go based off kind of my initial first sip of the beer, I should say, and we'll go from there. Mm. That is a good beer. So, so this brewery is in Brooklyn, New York. It's a little, a little small thing here. Um, so that 4.8, it's probably right around there. I mean, it's nice and smooth. Nothing crazy about it. No, you know, crazy flavors or, or anything I'm noticing. It's enjoyable, but I wouldn't sit here and say it's like earth shattering or anything like that. I'm going to give it a 3.5, which is a little bit lower than the, the average rating. But, you know, I, I also, I don't want to just placate, you know, untapped and do exactly what everyone else does. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be opinionated on it. So, yeah, 3.5 is what I'm going to go with. Check it out on there and join me. You know, if you can find that beer somewhere, you know, if you're in the Syracuse area, I got that at the Wegmans on 57 in Liverpool. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but that doesn't mean it's not there. You know, DeWitt always has a lot of good stuff like that. So, yeah, let's get into the season. So, kind of my plan for this episode, I want to review the 2020 season for the Giants a little bit. I'm not going to, you know, go super heavy, but but I'll kind of highlight some things that I noticed. We'll look at some free agents. We'll give out some season awards. We'll talk about the playoffs a little bit. And then, you know, we'll do the, play, the pick them section, obviously, too. And then we're going to talk about Eli Manning's fifth start as a New York Giant, which is against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were 13-1 and at the time. Some cool numbers in that game. Uh, all, all in all, a really fun game to talk about so i'm excited about that so yeah let's get right into it the 2020 giants finished six and ten on the year defense certainly made big strides this year with improvement offense did not offense kind of took a step back but you do have to kind of account for a couple things in that you know we, we didn't have saquon barkley pretty much all year we had a you know a really young offensive line that had no training camp or, you know, very little of a preseason in general. So it was a really weird year. There's a lot of things you have to take into account, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think the team is trending up, which is the the good thing. I'm willing to give Jason Garrett another year. If that's what Joe judge decides to do. I think that we just didn't have talent this year is kind of how it felt. You know, Darius Slayton, to me really kind of had a, a big letdown year. You know, I thought he'd rebound or not, maybe not rebound, but I thought he would get better this year off of his rookie year. And, and maybe he technically did if you look at the stats, but it didn't feel that way. So let's get into Daniel Jones. You know, he, he threw 11 touchdown passes. He had 10 interceptions. He had eight fumbles lost, 
which is down from 12 for the previous year. He threw for 2,900 yards, almost 2,950. He also ran for 423 yards. You know, if you look at the season and kind of the feel of the season, he didn't have a great year, but I think he showed enough that the Giants will give him another year, maybe another two years, to really see what we have in him. He had some injury issues. You know, we were up and down with with the players that were available. Evan Ingram was probably involved with six or seven of his turnovers. It's 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 hard to judge him too much. You know, he did have 62.5 completion percentage. His fumbles were down. The offense wasn't what it could have been this year. And that, you know, once again, you can look at Saquon Barkley not being there for this. You look at COVID, the offseason that, you know, or the preseason that we really didn't have. There's a lot of different factors that you have to account for in this. So I think he had a subpar year. You know, if I was to grade his year, I'd give him a C. But I see room for improvement. I see the ability to get better. I see him being able to limit his turnovers. I see him mixing in the run game a little bit. The big question for me is, can he stay healthy? You know, that's two years in a row now that he had some type of injury. So, you know, they always say the best avail- the best ability is availability. And that's something that he's proving so far that he's not completely able to stay healthy. That's something that we've definitely taken for granted with Eli Manning. But a lot of your great quarterbacks stay healthy. You know, Tom Brady really hasn't had many injuries. Aaron Rodgers kind of has had some injuries where he's been out for a while. But he's, you know, when he is in there, he's, he's elite. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Peyton Manning never really had a lot of injury concerns. Just your good quarterbacks don't typically, maybe they maybe they know how, when to get down and maybe they know how not to take big hits or maybe the teams are protecting them a little bit better. Who knows? But the thing to look forward to with Daniel Jones is, you know, we'll get Saquon back. We'll get an offensive line back that hopefully is a little bit, is gelling a little bit more this year. We'll have a run game. Hopefully we'll have another year in the system to, for him to figure out this offense. And hopefully we'll have more weapons, you know, whether Evan Engram's here or not. I'm assuming he will be. But hopefully he has a better year. Hopefully we have a wide receiver three this year. A lot of things I think going forward will certainly help. Some other offensive production players here. Wayne Gallman had a pretty good year with 682 yards rushing, uh, 4.6 yards per carry with six touchdowns. For coming in and kind of having this weird, like, you know, Saquon goes down and we don't, we obviously show right away when we bring Devontae Freeman in, Devontae Freeman in, that we don't completely trust him as a lead back. I'm not sure why. You know, obviously the, the staff maybe hasn't seen what they wanted to see out of him. But eventually he gets the starting role with Devontae Freeman getting hurt, and he excels. You know, I think he, he played quite well for the Giants this year when asked to step in. He is a free agent, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I think he's someone that probably does not come back. I think he's going to want to get more of a more of a lead role with a team or at least have a chance to compete for a starting position. You look at Sterling Shepard. He had 66 catches for 656 yards with three touchdowns. Pretty good year for him. You know, he did battle injuries again, which is unfortunate. And then you look at Darius Slayton, who – So this is one of the confusing things for me with him is he had 52 receptions last year for 432 yards – or sorry, 438 yards with two touchdowns. So what do you what do you view improvement as with him? The same stats, more stats, more consistency, maybe just the, the look of him, I don't know. But he had 50 receptions this year, so he had two less receptions, but he had 751 yards and three touchdowns. So he, he upped his receiving yards, he upped his touchdowns, Granted, the touchdowns by one, so nothing crazy. So, he, you know, he did improve. So maybe I'm being a little bit hard on him, but I, I feel like he really disappeared this year. Started off great against Pittsburgh, and then just kind of disappeared 
the rest of the year. Maybe he's batting, battling injury injuries. Uh, maybe maybe there's other things that kind of accounted for that too. I think he's got to earn his role next year. I think we're going to bring some people in to compete against him, to compete with Shep. You know, maybe we'll put Shep back into that into that slot role where I really think he belongs. I think Slayton could be a good number two, but I think that we need to draft a guy and maybe look at a guy in free agency. I'm still kind of on the bandwagon of bringing in Corey Davis, but we'll see what happens. A lot can happen from, from now to then. But we need at least one good number one wide receiver because Darius Slayton is not a number one. Our other guys, you know, Evan Ingram had 63 receptions for 654 yards, which on the surface looks good, but any Giants fan knows that it wasn't <laughs> – we had a really rough year with him. Things need to change. He needs to get better with catching the ball. He needs to look the ball in, or he's gone. You know, I, I think he has one one more year, and it's going to be hard for us to trade him. We, You know, we could potentially cut him and save some money there, but I don't think you cut talent like him. I think maybe we trade him, but I would say like 80% chance he stays, 20% chance we trade him. But I think we look to upgrade the position. I like Caden Smith as a backup, but he's not a starting tight end. He might even not even be a number two tight end. He might be a number three tight end where we have Levine Toyolo, who I'm assuming will probably be gone this year. I think he has a contract that is pretty cuttable and it'll save some cap for us. He really didn't do anything this year at all. So I think he'll be gone, and then I think Tate will be gone. Tate had 35 receptions this year, had some character issues pop up. I mean, he's he's not long for this team. He will most definitely be cut this year, and we'll hope to have more weapons next year. We'll hope to replace him. So the next part we'll look into is defense. We had a lot of studs on defense this year. It was really nice to see. Blake Martinez had 151 total tackles, which was fourth in the NFL. He had three sacks, 11 tackles for loss, five passes defended with an interception. We haven't had that type of production since, man, I, Antonio Pierce. And I don't know if he's ever really had a year like that. That's that's a, a year for a Giants linebacker that has not been, that we haven't had in years. So, guys, really appreciate him. He's going to be a staple of this defense going forward. He's going to be a leader on this defense. I'm pumped about his future with the Giants. Next, Jabril Peppers had another good year. Or I shouldn't say another good year. He had a good year. He had 91 tackles, 2.5 sacks, 8.5 tackles for loss, 11 passes defensed, an interception. And it just felt like big hit after big hit after big hit. He had a couple little lapses in coverage, but he proved he was better in coverage than someone like Landon Collins to me. Jabril Peppers just feels feels like he was like a Swiss Army knife in this defense, kind of like you know Logan Ryan was too, but Jabril Peppers was just everywhere. I think he this year was someone that just improved by leaps and bounds with this coaching staff. I think Patrick Graham coming back was big for him and Blake Martinez, but. Jabril Peppers was used the right way with Patrick Graham. Had we brought in another defensive coordinator who, I don't know, maybe didn't like safeties as much or didn't want to prioritize them as much, that may have been different. You know, Betcher never seemed to prioritize safeties. Uh, <laughs> like guys like Antoine Bethea, let's just be real there. So I'm looking forward to him next year when he really gets a even a better grasp on this defense. We get some more talent into this defense. That's one thing that I really hope. I know we need to fix the offense this year. I just hope we don't settle def- defensively. We need to get more talent defensively. I do like having, you know, the young guys that we have on this defense. I like the young corners that we have on this team, but we have to bring in more people to compete and and make this defense better. We had to rotate coverage a lot to the CB2 spot. That needs to change. If we could have two cornerbacks that we really didn't need to do much with, we could just kind of let them play ball and then, you know, mix up the scheme. 
with the linebackers and the safeties, and, and that would be that would be fun. That really would, would make this defense even more deadly. Next up, we have Leonard Williams, 57 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, which is eighth in the NFL. Awesome year for him. 15 and a half tackles lost for tackles for loss. He's probably a priority to to get a deal done. Unfortunately, he may be making like 25 mil a year. Don't really love that, but I feel like you have to bring him back. He's another player that I think as we get some more edge help, we get some more guys that can come in and, and put some pressure on the quarterback, maybe get Lorenzo Carter back next year, and, and maybe he can provide some, some help there. He's going to benefit from that a lot. You know, I don't expect 11 and a half sacks next year. I think that was a great year for him, but maybe not realistic to put up every year. But more tackles, you know, 15 and a half tackles for loss, maybe gets that up to 20 or 30. That could be possible. Next up, James Bradbury finished the year with 18 passes defensed, 57 tackles, three interceptions. He had, you know, he had a good year, a great year, really. The 18 passes defense was second in the NFL, tied for second in the NFL, I should say. I, I want to throw a couple things out there and kind of compare 2019 to 2020. Who is our leading tackler in 2019? I'll give you a second to think about that. Who was our leading pass defense guy last year? Give you a second to think about that as well. Who had the most sacks last year? Who was second in sacks last year? Who had the most tackles for loss last year? It's just interesting to see the differences to me. Leading tackler in 2019 was Antoine Bethea with 110 tackles. Sub that in for Blake Martinez this year with 151 tackles. I always like to see the linebackers ha- having the most tackles because that means that we're getting the, you know, we're making stops at the line of scrimmage or around the line of scrimmage. When you have safeties that are leading the team with tackles, that means players are, you know, getting into the second level of the defense. And to me, that's not a good product for success. Obviously, you know, J- Jabril Pepper said 91 tackles, so that's still good. Um, but I just I like to see the linebacker leading the team with tackles because that means they're making plays at or around the line of scrimmage. Passes defense last year, Janoris Jenkins with 13. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but to me, James Bradbury is light years ahead of Janoris Jenkins. Bradbury is such a better quarter than Janoris Jenkins. I think J- Jenkins took chances a lot more. He was a player that did have interceptions. I think he had three last year, but it always seemed like he was trying to beat and you know trying to read what the the wide receiver was doing, and he either got beat or he made a play on the ball. I mean, I'm looking back at like last year against Tampa Bay when he gave up three touchdowns to Mike Evans. You know that that's a a, a game where he I think he tried baiting people a little bit. He obviously didn't work. He set high on a coverage on like a little screen at the red zone, which is kind of weird. He he's a, he's a decent cornerback. I think he's a decent number two, you know, had he been here with James Bradbury this year, I bet you who'd had a good year, but I'm so happy that we had Bradbury over Janoris Jenkins. Next, we'll look at the leading tackle for loss and sacks last year was Marcus golden. He had 13 tackles for loss and he had 10 sacks. This year, the leader was Leonard Williams with 11 and a half sacks and 15 and a half tackles for loss. So it's good to see, once again, that you have a lineman that has, you know, the most tackles for loss because that means he's getting tackles behind the line of scrimmage. But that's where he is, you know, so he's he's getting pressure. It's not, you know, a strung out play where the linebacker is making a play. He had more sacks than Marcus Golden, Golden. And it's good to see that on the line. You know, you want your edge guys to get sacks too. Hopefully we'll get that next year with someone like maybe Lorenzo Carter. I don't know. He actually was second on the team last year with four sacks. So hopefully we can get some more production out of our edge guys next year. Maybe we we can upgrade that position. I do think some upgrades need to happen. I do like Lorenzo Carter, and I think that obviously I want to see what he has next year. O'Shane Zimenez, you know, there's talent there. We'll see what happens. Kyler Fackrell is a free agent. 
who knows what happens there. He may cost too much to bring back. Although I think he does like working with with uh, Patrick Graham, so maybe he stays. I'd love to bring him back. I think he, if we could get him on the cheap for another one or two years, that would be a, a perfect fit. He doesn't have to be a starter. He can be someone that rotates in. It would be a good fit. So we'll, we'll see what happens, though. Next, we'll get into kind of just overall. Per pro football reference reference this year, we were projected to win 5.8 games. We got six, so it was nice to see us at least, you know, exceed expectations, even though it's, I guess, 0.2. But it's still good to see that number higher than the, the projected by pro football reference. Last year, we finished 4-12, and and we were expected to win 5.4 games. So clearly... This year, I, th- I think we did a good job of, of doing things a little bit better. When you look at our, our season this year, it kind of went how you expected it to go, I guess. You know, if you looked at the first four games, albeit maybe I'm a little bit of an optimist, if you told Giants fans that you're going to finish the first four games, one and three, two and two maybe, no one would have been surprised. Steelers opening week, Bears after that, 49ers after that, and then Rams. That's a tough, tough schedule. Throw in the fact that we had no offseason. Everything people were learning was through virtual. We had no preseason games. We, you know, we, we had such a young team, and our rookie class had such a such a big impact on, on this year. That was the first four games in the NFL. So looking back, it certainly makes sense to me that we lost to the Steelers, albeit at least we gave them a fight. We lost to the Bears 17-13. to We lost to the 49ers. That was really one of the few blowout games we had. 36-9 to we lost. We lost to the Rams 17-9. But you look at the Steelers. You look at the Bears. You look at the Rams. We were in every single game, but 0-4. You go to the Cowboys game. Ugh, that was a heartbreaking game. We lost 37 to 34. We were up 14 to 3 in the first quarter. Everything is going good. I think Dak got hurt somewhere. I want to actually maybe it was the third quarter when he got hurt. And then the second quarter hits and things just kind of go downhill quick. Halftime hits and we're down 20 to 24. We kind of make a late run but just never really got back into it. But that was a game that was ours. We should have won that game. Yes, Dak Prescott did not play the whole game. But look at his numbers from the game. He was 14 of 21 for 166 yards and an interception. Andy Dalton came in. 9 for 11 for 111 yards. We were a play away from winning that game with that fake field goal at the red zone where we threw it to Evan Ingram. And unfortunately, we had the penalty. That was a game that, to me, was, was, ah man, it was just kind of a heartbreaker, you know? The other four games, yes, you wanted to win those games. But we were able to put up points. Like, we're in Dallas. I want to beat Dallas there. Obviously, later on in the year, we beat them, which was awesome. I like the future of the NFC East with the Giants right now. I think we're in a good place. But we lose to the Cowboys there. Injured Dak. Hopefully, he comes back healthy. You know, you don't. I don't ever want to root injuries on anyone. I don't like injuries. It's part of the game, unfortunately. But what the Cowboys do going forward will be really, really interesting. They do have the pick right in front of us in the draft. They're at pick 10. We're at pick 11. Do they do they franchise Dak again? Do they look at a drafting a quarterback? Do they try to trade for someone? Really going to be an interesting offseason with them. You know Dak wants money. You know, he wants security after dealing with this injury. He should come back healthy. You know, I think it was just a broken ankle. That's at least an injury that you can certainly come back from. That'll be interesting to see what Dallas does going forward. So 0-5 starting the year. We get into the sixth game of the year, and we beat Washington. Close game. I think Riverboat Ron, that was a game he went for two at the end to win it and didn't get it. We get a win, 1-5. After the Redskins game, we go to the Eagles, and that's unfortunately another game where we we lose pretty much one play. Really just shows the loss. 
and that's an Evan Ingram drop on third down. Well, you know, we're still leading at that point, I guess. So really, then you could look at the Jabril Peppers play where Boston Scott caught the ball over him. But just another game where we were a player two away from winning. I mean, if, if we won that game and then we won the Dallas game, we're sitting at three wins. So we're at that point, we're three and four. I mean, how nice would that be instead of one and five? It is what it is, though. It's a loss. But we show fight. We go to... Uh, Tampa Bay next and unfortunately that's probably Daniel Jones worst start of his career a game that man we're still right there you know we lost 25 to 23 yes we did score a touchdown to kind of make it look a little bit closer than it was but that whole game we were there it was just kind of one mistake after another for Daniel Jones he rates the ship after that against Washington again and we get a win 23 to 20 Nothing crazy in that game. I mean, we, we did what we had to do. It wasn't necessarily pretty, but it was a win. And it was a win against the NFC East. So you really, you know, you really cannot complain about that. After that, we have another NFC East game against Philly. And that's a game where we win 27-17. to 17. Kind of a game where we dominated. Everything went well. It, at times, kind of got close, I believe. But... We did enough to win, and I think that that loss really kind of spiraled the Eagles a little bit and led them to where they are right now, honestly. So after that game, we have, what, three wins. We beat the Eagles. We beat the Washington football team twice. Hey, I got it right. Woo. So we have three wins at that point, and... We go into the Bengals game after that. We beat the Bengals. That is, unfortunately, the game that Daniel Jones gets hurt and he ends up missing the next start. Really probably should have missed the next two starts, but it is what it is. We get that win. We end up beating the Seahawks the week after that, which was, honestly, that was a really big win. I think that game, to me, granted, the Seahawks kind of had a weird year this year. But I felt like that was the first win that felt like almost kind of a team win. You know, Colt McCoy did play play good for what we asked him to do. Um, Wayne Gallman had a really good run, and, and, you know, our running game actually played pretty well. But that was like we beat a good team. No, no one really did anything specific that, like, they were the reason we won. It was just good to see a, a good team win right there. Unfortunately, we go into playing the Cardinals the next week. Everyone's kind of riding high at that point. And we lay an egg. Daniel Jones probably should not have been playing that game. He hurt his other leg that one. Eh, just a bad look. Bad game. 26-7 to loss. Nothing went right. The following week, we play the Cleveland Browns, who are still alive in the playoffs. They won 20-6. to you know, Colt McCoy led game. Another game that probably, you know, nothing really went right ever. It could have been worse. Definitely could have been better, but it certainly could have been worse. Next game after that, we get to a situation against the Ravens where it's kind of like a must win. You know, if we win that game, we control our own destiny. We don't. We lose 27 to 13. There were some good things that came out of that game. I think Daniel Jones actually played decent wasn't pretty by any means, but we showed some fight. He didn't have a lot. I think he had maybe one turnover, but maybe it was another. Uh, oh, no, he didn't He didn't have any turnovers that game. We didn't play well enough that game. Next, we end the year against the Dallas Cowboys, and we win. Big win. I think really, like, that's probably one of the bigger wins on the year for us. Just to show that. We can beat teams in the NFC East. We beat Philly this year. We should have beat them twice. We beat Dallas this year. We should have beat them twice. Winning games in the NFC East is going to be one of the most important things that we can do to control our playoff chances. We're kind of in a good point right now where I would say we're one of the few teams that might be trending up. Obviously, Dallas is still a very talented team. 
But they have a lot of questions right now. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Their coach is kind of a bum. Mike McCarthy's a bum, man. He is not a good coach. Which is surprising to hear me say, personally, because I was pretty high in him when we had the chance to interview him and, and possibly see if he was a good fit for the Giants. I'm very happy we did not sign him or bring him in as our coach. Redskins don't have a quarterback. You know, what do they do next year? Do they lean on Alex Smith again? Do they look at Kyle Allen? Do they bring in a guy? I think they bring in a guy, you know, whether it's draft or free agency. They have a good defense, but a lot will depend on what they do at that quarterback position. And then Philly is just in disarray right now. You kind of got to assume Carson Wentz is done there. It's going to be hard for them to get out of that deal. They're probably going to have to try to trade him. Maybe they can work on some type of contract restructuring. I I don't know. I don't know the complete ins and outs of that. They're going to have to do something, though, to make him available via trade. And then, you know, that I guess that will also depend on the coach you bring in. Maybe the new coach can smooth things over and they'll plan on starting him. But I doubt it. Let's be real. So I feel like the Giants going forward might be the team to, to win the NFC East next year. I'm not sitting here and saying we're going to be 12 and 4, 13 and 3 or anything like that. I could see, you know, 9 and 7 though. I could see maybe 10 and 6 as being a possible record for next year. A lot will still depend on what we do in the offseason. That's obvious, but I guess we'll we'll kind of get into the offseason though because we do have a lot of free agents to look at. Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, two guys that I think we need to bring back. It's going to be tough. It's certainly doable. We have, you know, Kyler Fackrell, free agent. Cam Fleming, free agent. Two guys that I certainly think we could bring back. Fleming, the way he finished the year, I wouldn't be shocked to see him come back on another one-year deal and start the year as a starter, but maybe next year Pert eventually takes that over. I don't know. We'll see. Next, Colt McCoy's a free agent. I don't, I don't mind what he did. I, I think he stepped in well when we needed, needed him. But I think we need to upgrade the backup quarterback position for a couple of reasons. I'm not saying we need to sign someone to a four-year deal and pay them too much money. But we do, we do need to sign a better backup quarterback. Daniel Jones has proven that he can't stay healthy, at least so far. So let's get another guy in as a backup who, if we need him, can step in and, and play. Bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick next year. I don't know. Someone that, that you know, if, if Jones does go down, we still have a chance to win games. Next, we have Nate Ebner as a free agent. And that'll be an interesting position because, you know, Cody Core, I'm assuming, will come back next year. But he did sign an extension, and I think he could be someone that could be a cap casualty. We'll see. Do they sign Nate Ebner? I know that's kind of a Joe Judge guy. Maybe he'll be cheap. I think he played well on special teams, but, man, I hate seeing him on the field uh, on the defense. So hopefully hopefully, if we bring him back, it's just strictly for special teams. The list just keeps going. Deion Lewis, Austin Johnson, Jabal Sheard, Alfred Morris, Casey Kreider, Adrian Colbert, and Wayne Gallman. Gallman's gone. You know, I, I think he's going to look to get a starting role somewhere or at least a chance to compete somewhere for a starting role. He does not have a lot of wear on his tires. You know, he, he has not had a lot of carries in the NFL. I think he has earned that chance. Where it is, I couldn't tell you. I don't think it's with the Giants, though. I think. Even if, if he does accept a backup role somewhere, I don't think we're going to be willing to pay that position. I think we'll you know look at some undrafted guys. Maybe we'll bring in a veteran. Who knows? I think I think something will happen there. I don't think he's back. I don't think Deion Lewis is back. Maybe Alfred Morris comes back. Maybe Devonta Freeman comes back. Those, those both are, are honestly pieces I could see coming back more than I see Wayne Gallman coming back. So that's our free agents. We'll have a lot of decisions this year to see what go what happens going forward. Next, we'll get into the season awards. And it's kind of tough. 
it's kind of tough this year to do the season awards. I think my MVP for the team this year is James Bradbury. He locked down the cornerback position where we really didn't know what was going to happen this year. All the stuff happened with DeAndre Baker, who, you know, presumably you would think would be the number one or the number two. And we cut him, and it's like, shit. What, what are we going to do at cornerback right now? Our defense was so bad last year. I don't think anyone expected the defense to play as good as they did this year, despite not really having a cornerback too. You know, Julian Love stepped in good at the end of the year. But I'm going to go Bradbury, you know, second in the NFL with passes broken up, big play after big play, shut down big receivers. Honorable mentions for that. you got to go Leonard Williams. you got to go Blake Martinez. But – James Bradbury is the MVP of this team. He, we, The defense would not be where we were this year without him. You could kind of say the same thing for Leonard Williams. You could kind of say the same thing for Blake Martinez, but that's where I'm going. Offensive MV, oh, sorry, offensive player of the year, Wayne Gallman. I would say there's not a lot of other options at this point. You know, Sterling Shepard kind of finished the year strong. That's about it, though. You know, Wayne Gallman ran the ball well when he came in for Saquon. And I think he did enough to to be the offensive player of the year for the Giants. Defensive player of the year will go Leonard Williams. He had a great year, 11 and a half sacks, countless tackles for loss, a lot of tackles, a lot of just a lot of plays, though. You know, he really t- took up double teams. He, he does a lot of stuff that you don't see in the stat line. That's why I think he's going to be one of the keys to bring back, but I I still think we need to bring him and Delvin Tomlinson back, but we'll see what happens going forward. Most improved Nick Gates, hands down. This was a guy that played right tackle and right guard last year for us. Had never been a center before in the off season, started taking snaps to see if he could learn that position Maybe that was a directive from Joe Judge when we hired him. I don't know. I remember last year, around this time actually, Bobby Skinner was beating beating the drum for Nick Gates to to be our center next year. And I'm like, where is this coming from? <laughs> He's never played the position. Obviously, Bobby Skinner knew something. <laughs> or maybe it was just a lucky guess. I don't know. Uh, but most improved player by far is Nick Gates. He went from even kind of like week one being – probably one of the worst tackles or sorry, worst centers in the league to, I would say top 10 in the NFL right now and improving, getting better. He's still learning the position. He got bullied a little bit to start, but by the end of the year, he was doing the bullying, bullying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm super happy about that. We signed him to an extension at the right time. At some point, maybe next year, if he continues to do this, we'll have to look at Something with his contract, I bet. But most improved certainly goes to him. Rookie of the year, we're going to go with Andrew Thomas. Although I will give a shout-out to Mr. Irrelevant, Tay Crowder. And actually even, you know, a shout-out to Carter Coffin and Cam Brown. I mean, three guys drafted later that you wouldn't really think you'd get a lot from. And they all contributed a lot this year to this team. Pretty excited about that. You really got to be excited about this rookie class. Andrew Thomas started the year a little rough, kind of had some bumps and bruises here and there, but really solidified the left tackle position without a doubt in my mind. He's going to come back next year and only get better. He'll be our left tackle for the future. I've seen some stuff of like people comparing him and, and Eric Flowers, their rookie year, where you know Flowers kind of came out and battled some injuries as, as his left tackle. I think he was actually forced into the left tackle position due to injury as well because Will Beattie went down. I just don't see any parallels between the two. Andrew Thomas is sound technique-wise for the most part. He's a hard worker. I don't. I can't say either of those things about Eric Flowers. There was potential, sure, but no. Flowers is a bum. He's a guard at this point. Seems to be panning out as an okay guard in this league, which is good for him. I'm happy for him. But he's not a left tackle. And Andrew Thomas is light years ahead of him. Two other little awards that I would give out. Most underwhelming to me is Darius Slayton. Um, 
I came out thinking big things this year. I thought he would prove to be a number one in this league. Did not happen. You know, I guess, yes, the Steelers game, he showed potential. But after that, he just disappeared. And, and you know, that could be a couple different things. Maybe that's unfair expectations pushed on him. Maybe he's been battling an injury all year. I don't know. But he he's not a number one, I don't think. I think he's a number two and probably still a position that could be upgraded. But we'll see what happens in free agency in the draft. My last award goes to Will Hernandez, and that's my no idea award. I, I have no idea what to think of Will Hernandez. You know, he got COVID, kind of kept getting rotated in and out before that anyway. And end of the year, not playing hardly at all. What are we doing with him? Is he someone that's long for this team? Is he going to be a part of the offensive line going forward? I guess I, I have two thoughts. A, they don't like him at all. Well, maybe I have three thoughts. A, they don't like him at all. B, COVID really kicked his butt, which is certainly possible. I've heard of a lot of people that, that you know, it takes time to, to kind of bounce back. C, this is a possibility, I suppose. Maybe they've seen enough of him. They know what he is. They like what they have in him. And they want to see if Shane Lemieux is part of the future of this offensive line. So maybe they just wanted to give him the looks. Maybe they wanted to see what they had in Zeitler. You know, really, really get a good hard look to see if he's someone that's worth keeping with this contract. Maybe Will Hernandez is part of this team and, and they just wanted to see more about everyone else. You know, this... You know, Joe Judge has said this multiple times. They're always going to be looking towards the future. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. So that's my season award, guys. We'll get into the playoff matchups next. So your Saturday game, the 430 game, 435, is the Rams at Packers. I think a couple keys to look at are, is, is can the Rams defense shut down Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? Can they force Rodgers to look at his other targets and try to spread the ball out more? Rams defense is legit, but so is Aaron Rodgers. For the Rams, they're going to have to try to run the ball and try to take the pressure off Jared Goff. He clearly is not healthy still. Um, I, I believe the backup just got ruled out this week, Wolford. So it's going to be on Goff, and then his backup is going to be Blake Bortles. Can they run the ball consistently and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field and protect Jared Goff and take pressure off Jared Goff? That's the question for me. I don't think so. I think Packers win by 10. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of this league. He's off to prove something after the Packers drafted a quarterback. Packers win. Next is Saturday night, Ravens at Bills. This is going to be a fun game, going to be a cold game. Might have some snow. I've kind of heard mixed things on that. There, there could be some snow. Lamar's never played in snow. It's going to be a cold weather game. Can Lamar Jackson produce in cold weather? That's going to be a question. Is he going to be able to you know, run the offense how he has all year? For the Bill side of it, can Josh Allen spread the ball around if the Ravens try to take away Stephon Diggs? Because that's what I would try to do if I was the Ravens. Get pressure on Josh Allen. Take away Stefan Diggs and see if he, they can force him to make mistakes. He's done a really good job this year of not making mistakes. And of scrambling and hitting his tight ends and some of his other receivers. Prove it. This is a game to prove that. Prove that you're legit, Josh Allen. Prove that the Bills defense is legit. I love Sean McDermott. He, to me, is the coach of the year. I said that four, five, six, seven episodes earlier. He is someone that when he was with the Panthers, I loved him. He would have been someone I wish the Giants could have gotten had they been hiring at that point, but they weren't. Bills win by three. Going to be a tight game. Going to be a tough game. There will be fans at the stadium for the Bills. I think the Bills had a playoff game last year. They got that kind of out of their system you know, being new to the playoffs again. They won a playoff game this year. Go beat the Ravens. 
go beat the Ravens, play the Chiefs in the in the AFC Championship game. How awesome would that be? Bills win by three. Next is Sunday, Browns at Chiefs. Can the Browns exploit the Chiefs' inability to cover the tight ends? The Browns' offense is very run-heavy, but it's also very tight end-heavy. They like to run two tight end sets, three tight end sets, and they have three good tight ends. So can they use their run game and play action game to get the tight ends the ball and control this game? For the Chiefs, can they come out hot, hot off a bye and show they're still one of the best teams in the NFL? I think the Chiefs win this game by seven, but this is the game that I would circle as being the most likely to be an upset. Browns are just playing good football right now, man. They really are. Their, their coach hasn't coached. Their coach is coaching right. Baker, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. Baker's playing good football. They have two good running backs. They just have a good team. This is honestly the game that I would circle as my upset potential game. Lastly, we'll go to the battle of the old guys. <laughs> Buccaneers at Saints. Can the Saints defense hit Brady? Get to Brady. Doesn't always have to be sacks, but can they get him off his off his feet? Can they smack him around a little bit? Make him, you know, force him to throw the ball a little quicker than he wants to. And for the Tampa Bay Bucks, can can Tom Brady protect himself? Can they run the ball? Can he get the ball out quickly? I'm gonna go Tampa on this to win by seven. I think it's kind of like one of those situations where it could be kind of a sad ending for Drew Brees. We'll see what happens. Got to assume he's retiring after this year. Who knows, though? Tampa by seven. So, that's it for the NFL section. A little awkward lead into the the next. (laughs) So, I, I guess next we'll get into Eli Manning's fifth start, which is, I think, the first start of Eli Manning's career where you think, oh, wow, okay, maybe maybe we're seeing a little bit of what Eli can do. So it's the Giants are sitting at five and nine. The Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting at thirteen and one. This is the first matchup for Big Ben. It's actually a Saturday game. I am in high school at this point, so I remember this game quite clearly. I was I wrestled. I was a big wrestler at where I where I went to school. I went to school in Oxford, New York. If anyone knows where that is, we were at a wrestling tournament in West Islip down in Long Island. I actually, this is a tournament that I won. I think I, I just won my, won the, the first place match. And I think I like ran off the mat and checked, uh, checked to see if I could find out what the score of the Giants game was. Cell phones weren't really prevalent at this point. Oh, four, oh five, you know, they aren't what they are today. I think I think I had a friend's phone that I kept using to try to look at the score, but I wasn't getting any, any good service. You know, getting on the internet with your cell phone was kind of weird back then. And I just remember a couple times I'd get a couple, you know, from the radio or something, little tidbits on the game, and I was like, yes, yes, you know. So it's kind of a cool little memory going from, you know, wrestling in a first-place match to scrambling to down to see what see what the Giants were doing. Game started off great for the Giants. Willie Ponder had a 91 kickoff return for a touchdown. And you're like, woo, you know, good start. The Steelers answer right back. Antoine Randall L throws a touchdown pass to tie the game. That's a, a name of the pass right there, Antoine Randall L. Always a really good player. Loved watching him. Giants try to answer right away, and they get a touchdown pass to Jeremy Shockey. Giants are up 14 to 7. Steelers come right back. It's, it's This game kind of goes this way. And they had a field goal, make it 14-10. Then Big Ben hits uh, Antoine Randall for a touchdown to go up 14-17. to Steelers add another field goal to go up 14-20 to at half. Second half starts, and it kind of just goes the same way. Trade field goals. And then Eli Manning hits Marcellus Rivers for a touchdown pass. Giants are up 24-23. Kind of at this point, you're like, man, can they win this game? Is this a game where Eli outduels Big Ben, you know, with the the three big quarterbacks of this draft? Well, 
we end up losing. But Steelers get a field goal to go back up 24 to 26. Tiki gets a rushing touchdown to go back up 30 to 26. We actually missed the two-point conversion here. But we have the lead, you know, right at the end of the game. Next, unfortunately, Steelers score a touchdown with Jerome Bettis and go up 33 to 30. And that's a game. Big Ben was 18 for 28 with 316 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. He was sacked three times. Randall L. threw a touchdown pass. Jerome Bettis, 36 carries for 140 yards with a touchdown. That doesn't happen anymore. Um, never anymore. You know, I, I did kind of dig, dig, I did some digging to kind of see when the last time this happened, and the best I could come up with was 36 or sorry, 38 carries with Le'Veon Bell in 2016 against the Bills. The leader for most carries belongs to Jamie Morris of Washington with 45 in 1988 versus the Bengals. Pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, Heinz Ward, 99 catches for nine catches for 134 yards. On the Giants side, Eli was 16 of 23 for 182 yards with a touchdown. No interceptions, no sacks, had a couple of rushing yards. Tiki was 18 for 76 with a touchdown. Eli kind of spread the ball around a little bit. Hit a Killiard three times, hit Amani twice, hit Shockey three times. With it for a touchdown and actually hit the fullback a couple times. I think it was Jim Finn at this point. Some names to like look back at Troy Palomalu, Joey Porter, James Harrison, Deshae Townsend, just some like legendary names. Obviously, I already said like, you know, Antoine Randall, Jerome Bettis, Heinz Ward. I mean, so, so many great players on the Steelers team. And it was cool to see the Giants fight in this game you know they did lose but this was really the first game for Eli that you can say oh you know he showed some life he showed where the Giants drafted him at four is this something that he can continue going forward and you know (laughs) I would say yeah you know, he, he did have some still some rough starts here and there throughout his career. But this kind of was really the first start where I was like, man, yes, we see what we want. You know, we see what we can potentially get with Eli. So, guys, that's this episode. I'll probably plan on doing the same thing next week with doing like a Friday episode. Just kind of how my day off worked work this week. Kind of a rough week for me. Um, I don't know if. If, if anyone knows this about me, some people may. I'm an optician and a marketing coordinator for a small business in the Syracuse area. And I just want to throw this out there. For any of you guys that wear contacts, for any of you guys that wear glasses, be nice to your doctors. Be nice to the opticians that are helping you. The optical industry, the, the optical customer, patient, whatever you want to call them, is spoiled and rude. And <laughs> it sounds like I'm going on a little bit of a rant here. I kind of am. But, man, it's some of the stuff I see and some of the way people act where I work, the, the patients, it's mind-boggling. You know, I, I just – I feel like I would never go into a business and act the way some of these people do. <laughs> just my two cents. Uh, be nice to your fellow opticians. Go support local. Don't go to these big box chains like VisionWorks and LensCrafters. I, I have friends that work at both. I actually used to work at VisionWorks, so I can't talk. Um, but support local, man. Go to those private practice places. The doctors care. The opticians are there to help you. I'll get off my soapbox. That's all I got for you guys today. We'll see you next week. Let's freaking go! Go!